Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey everyone, Yas here and I just wanted to say it's great to have you join me today because I'm sure we're going to have another fantastic episode. So whether you're here for the first time or if you're one of the repeat loyal listeners of the show, I truly appreciate you. But before we get to today's guest, I just have a small favour to ask, and that's if you could just take a brief moment to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already, ensure that you share it with all your coaching friends, and don't forget to get in touch, guys. Let me know your thoughts on what you think of today's episode or any of the recent episodes you've listened to. You can do this on Twitter, at thecoachesnet. Once again, that's at thecoachesnet. And please make sure you do, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, guys. Anyway, on to today's show. I hope you enjoy it. Have a great day, guys. The Coaches Network. Hey guys, you're now listening to the Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A licensed football coach, coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. You are. Just in your own words, maybe describe who you are, what you do and we'll go from there. Um, my father now, uh, used to play football. Um, uh, for South Africa, national. I'm South African, so I played for South Africa. Uh, played for United, Manchester United. So people probably know me from there. And uh, very fortunate enough now to be involved with uh, England under 20s to uh, help out with um, Foster and uh, the guys there. So very, very fortunate to be involved in that. Amazing, amazing. So you know, obviously, you mentioned the ex-player currently coaching with the, with the FA, a part of the England national teams. Um, but that journey had to start somewhere. So why don't you take us right back to the start of it? Where did you first come into contact with football and what was that like? Well, football, I started playing when I was young because all my brothers played football and the environment I grew up in, in South Africa and Cape Town. Football was everywhere. It was amazing. It was like, uh, look back now, it was almost like Christmas every day. Everyone was playing football. Um, and uh, if you weren't doing football, you it was something... Quickly fall into the other side of uh, the bad side of life, but I was so in love with the game and uh, played football every single day. I don't remember even on Christmas Day when uh, my mum bought me um, nice Christmas clothes and I just couldn't resist. I went to play football and came home and all my clothes were full of mud. But um, just yeah, the environment was football everywhere, so something had to happen. Um, uh, because I was in the football field every single day of my life. And um, it was amazing. So let's just talk about that a little bit. You did talk there about the environment between football being everywhere. And, you know, um, in, in many of the countries, especially in Africa, you know, other parts of the world, very different to what it's like in England. And I think even, even you know, me growing up in England myself, everything you've just described, I can kind of relate to that because that's what it was like when I was younger. It was just football yes. everywhere. Now generations have changed, society has changed, where you don't really see that as often. In order to see football now in England, it has to be a, maybe an AstroTurf pitch or a 4G pitch somewhere for the kids to go and play. Whereas back in the day, we could just go out on the streets and play with our mates and we wouldn't even care what time it is. Yeah. The only thing we'd know is, right, when it's time for dinner because our mum will be calling us from the, from, the, from the front door just shouting out on the block. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like for you? And, you know, what, what, you know, you mentioned there, obviously, 
if it wasn't football, you could have ended up doing something, you know, probably, probably, you know, worse, if you like. Um, what was it about football that actually just got you, though? All my friends played, and I just loved it. I just loved the competition, the fun we had. And it's, it kind of helps when you're, when everyone in the environment plays football. Even the, the gangsters who were big gangsters love football. So if you were doing football, they would kind of appreciate that because they were footballers themselves. And it just happened to make unfortunate uh, choices in their lives, and that's where they are. But uh, and my brothers played. My, all my four brothers played, and everywhere I looked, uh, we stayed next to a football stadium in Cape Town, Athlone Stadium. So it was on your doorstep every day, and the other side was on your doorstep as well. So it was very quick to you can fall into that lifestyle. And, 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 and um, but for me, it was just and my parents, they the values and. and my grandmother installed into me that football was just the most amazing thing ever. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I went everywhere, everywhere for football. It was, uh, I couldn't concentrate in school. I was thinking about what I wanted to do first break, what I was to do after school uh, on the pitch. And um, basically, I went to school for football, to play games, football. The, the, the classes were just in, in the way to keep <laughs> it there. <laughs> So, yeah, so that was the... Let's look at that. Then, obviously, you know, you talked about being um, obviously very passionate about football from a such a young age. When, when did it? When did it become from? A, you know, go from a, maybe a passion to actually this could be a career for me. It, I never thought it became a career, but someone just found me and um, brought me over to Tottenham. So I never this one day I sat down as a kid thinking, okay, this is what I want to do. It was just things happened. You went to that trial. Someone saw you. You played in that tournament. So that person saw you, invited you to that tournament. It just kept going. And I was traveling since the age of probably nine for football. Uh, played for my provincial team. Just everywhere there was a, a competition, I went. Um, the guys were playing football on the, on, the, on the football field in the evening. I would be the one standing there behind the goals, trying to catch the ball. It was just an amazing experience. And um, one day someone just came to my house. Uh, my parents and said, look, can, can play football or whatever. I would like to take him overseas. Let's go. Let's go. Um, where, where, where do we go? Because I want to, am I going to play football? Was it simple as that? I'm going to play football every day? Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's how it all started. It was an unbelievable journey. Amazing journey. And yeah, you, you obviously know, you mentioned that, you know, top of the conversation, you used to play for Manchester United. Um, as you've just touched on there, you know, you initially started off your journey in, you know, the elite elite world, if you like, um, with Tottenham Hotspur. So let's talk about that. You know, what was that experience like? You know, how old were you when you went there? What were the, what were the major things that kind of really stuck out for you? Because you very much, you know, if it's fair to say, you moved from quite a recreational type of environment to more, you know, how professionalised, how formalised it was at the time, I'm not sure. But something that was probably leaning more towards that end of the spectrum, if you like. Yeah. Oh, I was just an adventure as a kid. It was just like uh, getting on an aeroplane for the first time, um, learning English. Uh, I knew I knew obviously about, Eng about English, but I, my first language is Afrikaans. So I had to learn that very quickly. Meeting uh, people I probably saw on TV back home, like uh, Paul Gascoigne, Carolinica, Terry Venables. He was amazing with me. Um, and Saul Campbell and these guys in the youth team at that time. And it was unbelievable. It was Tottenham had a 
amazing youth system, youth, uh, system. Um, they encourage youth players to get to the first team and I was thrown, in, thrown into that environment and it was just for me Christmas every day. Christmas, you cannot believe it. it's just, I was so happy to go to training every day because I'm going to play football, I'm going to compete with other players, yeah. uh, trying to make, get into the team, trying to get in the youth team, trying to make something of my life as a football player. And um, it was great. Uh, I even played football. Mm-hmm. You just touched on there about, you know, making something of your life as a football player. So when did that, you know, now you're at, you're at Tottenham Hotspur, you've gone from not really thinking about this as a career. This is a really much more of a passion. Now someone's taking you over overseas. When did, it, when did it start to settle in? Actually, this could be something. I think when I was, uh, when I came over, when, when the, the, the person who found me came there with the opportunity because I just went thought, okay, I'll, I'm going to make the best of this opportunity. And then we start to think about uh, where I, the environment I'm, I'm uh, living in with my family. I would like to get my mom and dad out of that environment. I think that was my, probably my most uh, motivation, most important motivation to get my family out of that. Um, but it came natural because I love the game of football. So uh, if I had to do the work, the work wasn't a problem. And I had to do a lot of work, to, you know, running, the, the sacrifice of being away from home, uh, leaving the country, which is fine. I was willing to do that because I wanted to get my family out of that environment. And uh, the, 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 the blessing, the other side of, uh, I'm going to play football every day. So uh, um, that wasn't a problem. And um, even when I stayed in, in digs, I found kids that played in the same, just down the street where I lived in Enfield, who played football. And that was like... Uh, a lifesaver in a way, in a way, because that's what I did back home. But it was just in a different country now. And, um, it was unbelievable. Just, just building on that, then you know, you talked there about it was like Christmas every day. Now, when you think back about the experience, it probably felt like that. But surely there must have been days where you know, this is really tough. Um, you know, there's some real challenges. Of course. All the time. What you know, what were what? some of those, and how did you overcome that? Yeah, well, that's why I play football every day with the kids in the street. Because I knew if I go sit in my room, uh, start thinking about home and uh, um, thinking about my family, my friends, everything. So the only time I went back to my room was to sleep, um, eat when I go back into the house, possibly TV. But then, boom, I'm out. Next morning, wake up, go to school, go to training. I'm in it again. So I did that every single day to kind of not make me think about home because I knew there were days when I think, what am I doing here? Um, but I knew in the back of my mind, this is what I this is what I love doing, and now I've been given the opportunity, I want to make something out of this. So you know, you taught them as a youth player, um, spent you know a few years there, but then. You know, you've gone overseas again. What happened? What happened there? Because obviously, you know, you moved from top, you know, top yeah. to, to Spain. Well, yeah, unfortunately, I couldn't stay because of work permit reasons, and uh, right, okay. I went home. I went home actually, um, and then stayed for home for a year. Um, then the opportunity came to go to Spain, which is another language, another culture, um, pretty different environment to what I'm used to now in England. And uh, by all means, I said, yes, again, I want to play football. Uh, I want to make my uh, professional debut because that was the plan when I was at Tottenham to 
reached the first team like all the other players did. Unfortunately, that didn't happen there, and um, it happened at Atletico Madrid. Uh, um, and that was a great experience because Spanish football was... Um, I remember I had Amor Wall in, in, in my takes. I had players from Jose Maria Baquero at that time, um, Nadal at the back, Romario and these guys, Stoico. So I had all these players on my wall, so I knew about Spanish football and the great Laudrup, Michael Laudrup. So I love Spanish football. Um, in that in early 90s, Italian football was like the number one uh, league, uh, Scudetto, and, um, and uh, yeah, I was following that. So when I ended up playing in Spain, it was like another dream for me to come true because that's what I was watching and admiring these players. And now I'm on the same football field with them. So, did you always yeah. play in midfield? Sorry. Did you always play in midfield? No, I started off as a, when I played. Um, started off as playing football as a centre back. Okay. Because uh, I was I was the tallest kid in under ten, so I was a big afro, and I think that probably helped as well with me being the tallest. And uh, and I was just this, that kid that ran everywhere. So the coach had probably, uh, the coach never told me to calm down. He just told me to go and play because I would do everything. I would defend, set up attack, the whole thing. I was everywhere. So because uh, um, I just wanted to play, and yeah. Um, so yeah, I started off as a centre back, and then when I went over to Tottenham as a midfield, as a winger, as a left winger. And then uh, I ended up playing midfield because I just wanted, I didn't really care where I played. Yeah. Um, any position, as long as I'm playing, yeah. I'm happy. And uh, yeah, I played all, all few positions. So, what would you say is your, your, your best position is? Uh, probably midfield. I played midfield, created great kind of a midfield player with the national team. Yeah. And when I came back to United, I played like as a. A little bit creative, but you had like Scolzi and all these guys, so you just kind of compliment <laughs> them in terms of doing, make sure you do your job and yeah. keep Scolzi the ball. Um, and then play left back, which again, when I look at the United team, I came into the Trevor winning team. Yeah, I wasn't course. really gonna argue with Alex and go, nah, I don't really want to play left back. Um, I don't fancy. I, I was just, you tell me wherever you want me to play, and I'll play because yeah. look at the team, the great players around the pitch. Um, I was just happy to be playing and yeah. um, doing my best and, and trying to help the team as best as possible. Definitely. So let's let's talk about it. you know. So you, you've gone from um, Atletico Madrid. Obviously, you had a brief time in Mallorca as well. Mm-hmm. What were the two major differences there? Because obviously, you've gone to oh Atletico. You've got all these great players around you. And it's it's worlds apart because Atletico was going through so many managers. The time I was there. There was no stability, and the longest manager I, I had there was Radimir Antic, and uh, he won the double. I was lucky to be part of that, so we won the the, the league and the cup. Uh, and uh, that was strange because before that, I think I probably when I arrived I had probably four or five managers, and that's probably in two or three years. It was just ridiculous. And um, Radimir Antic came and he settled things down, and he was amazing. Uh, yeah. So in terms of United, I would say probably the quality, the work ethic, the unity, um, the humility, everything that you probably need mm. to, have, to have success. And United had that. And uh, what really blew me out the, 
me waves at the, the training pitch at the cliff training ground. They only had one pitch. I couldn't believe it. I was like, these guys won everything in Europe on one training pitch? Unbelievable. And yeah. then you look at the cliff when you go there, it's so tight. And well, what they had that many teams don't have is that unity, that team spirit. Culture, right? And that relationship, which uh, are so important. So, so important in football. Oh, my goodness. You can have the best facilities in the world. Yeah. And people don't talk to each other. They never have a relationship. They never have uh, humility and, 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 and uh, that unity. So let's, let's talk about, obviously, you know, you know, you've gone to United, but if we track back a few moments, you know, you mentioned that there were several changes in the managerial uh, aspect from Atletico. Um, now, for that period of time in the mid-90s, it's probably, it's probably quite, quite common to what you'd see now as opposed to back then. Obviously, there was a lot more stability for managers. There was a lot more, you know, longevity for managers within their within their jobs. Not to say that they were safe at all points, but they were given more time. Yeah. What does that do for What does that do for a player? Knowing that there's constantly changes here. You know, what, how does that unsettle you? Does it unsettle you? Yeah. Well, it was, for me, it was complete. I was a young player, 18, arriving in Spain, trying to understand the language, and I just see one manager for a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then he's gone, and I'm still trying to pick up the language. I'm thinking, okay, is this normal? And then that manager brings his players and, okay, he leaves. Another manager comes, he brings his players. And he's a young player, eventually start to learn the language. You go, this is crazy. Because I want to play. Whatever you guys do, I just want to play. I want to make uh, progress. I want to be on the, on the first team. I want to play and be on the pitch. Simple, no crazy stuff. Contract, all that comes later. I just want to play and show my ability and be part of the team. That's all. That's all. That's how it's always been. But um, so it does affect the player because at the end of the day, you don't know what's going on. Someone should prefer someone to tell me, look, not playing because this and that. None of that happened as a young player when I arrived there. So I was confused. And um, but I kept my head down, kept my head down working because I love playing and I'm training, playing games. And they eventually came to a point where they made my appearance in the first team, things started to go well. And then the manager got sacked again. So we're like, come on, <laughs> we just got you. Come on, let us. And then uh, after my five years, it got to a point where we all, we put a good place that we played, we did so well, and we all just went different places. We went to Valencia, one or two went to Valencia, other clubs. So we all just moved uh, different. And the opportunity came to United. So I'm like, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. How did that come about then? What you know? What happened there? And obviously, what were your thoughts going into the fact? You know, you touched on it. Yeah. Going into potentially, tre- you know, a team that's just won the treble. Yeah. What you know? What did that do for you in terms of your mindset? In terms of I was like, um, I was a little bit, I was a little bit starstruck at the beginning because some of those players I had on my wall, um, Andy Cole, Dwight York, Keen, Keen, Roy Keen, Giggsy. And a couple of years ago, I taught them as a schoolboy. I, I was cleaning the change room, and all these players came in the change, change room. And uh, so I was sitting in the stand watching them. And now I'm on this, again, crazy moment. I'm on the same pitch as these guys that I had on my wall. And so it took me a few weeks to kind of calm down, you know, stop staring at people like with your mouth open. But as soon as it came down to the football, um, when you show them what you've got and what you can do, then, you know, the. the uh, appreciation starts kicking and um, how can I say the approval, the approval 
people start to say, okay, he's doing this, he's doing that. Work is there. Keep my head down. And I, nothing I had to change. I just do what I do every day. And wherever I went, work hard. Keep your feet on the ground. And don't express yourself. Because I just... I, I just no, obviously, just, you spent a number of years in Africa. I don't really watch many games anymore, but you were one of the players that, you know, kind of, I remember seeing when I first started getting into, into, into the game. And I also often ask the question, where does Quinton Fortune actually play? <laughs> does he play centre mid? Does he play, you know, out on the left? Does he play, you know, attacking midfielder? Does, you know, sometimes you play the holding midfielder. Sometimes you play left back. And it's like, this guy can do a bit of everything. Um, and now when I reflect on, on things like that as a coach, I think to myself, is that the best thing for the player? Does every team need players like that who can just kind of slot in and do their part? Um, you know, what, what, what does that look like from your perspective? Because there's going to be many players and many coaches who have got players, that, you know, um, many coaches listening to this who have got players who probably do yeah. that with, in the sense of, you know, they know that they can play in multiple positions. Yeah. But maybe they often overlooked the impact it has on the individual themselves. And I know you said you were just happy to play, which is fantastic. But at some point, you've got to recognise that maybe that might not be what's best for you as an individual in terms of your yeah. own development, as much as it is the kind of sacrifice for the team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think now when I try to encourage players now to sort of to take it as a compliment, because uh, if they want to play more games, especially at United, um, I wasn't going to come there with some attitude of going, these guys just want the treble and say, Alex goes, Quinn, you're playing left back in the game. Uh, my goodness. You look at that team. You got Dennis Irwin, you got Yap Stump, you got Ronnie Johnson, you got Rio came in afterwards, uh, Gary Neville right back, David Beckham right wing, Gacy left wing, uh, Roy Keane, Scolzi, Andy Cole, Dwight York, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Telly Sheringham. And I'm going to come into the team and go, nah, I prefer to play midfield. It's just, and even if it didn't have that players, it's just, uh, it should be, and I tried to change, some players they just can't, they just refuse to do it, say you have to accept that. But I said to them, switch it and try to take it as a blessing, try to take it as a compliment. When the manager thinks you can play different positions, you're a football player. You're supposed to have that mindset, I'm a footballer, I play Center forward. I came here tonight to play center forward. I played yeah, midfield. Yeah. I, played. I didn't care. But some players that don't have that uh, mindset and you but have to respect that. It's a really interesting point because the thing is, especially you know, in youth football in particular, players are, I thought you know, players are maybe sometimes a bit more rigid and they say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm an attacker or I'm a, I'm a left winger or I'm a right. No, actually, like you've just said, no, you're a footballer. So they block themselves. I'm the defender. When you're in possession, you're attacking. When you're out position, you're defending. That's it. Simple. It's, it's mind blowing. I've had conversations with players and say, "Yeah, I can't play right back." So hold on, man. So you're trying to tell me you're a midf- attacking midfielder. So when you find yourself in a right back position and we're defending, that means it's all over because you can't play right back. Yeah. No. Um, you're supposed to be able to, as a footballer, deal with the ball in any situation. Yeah. If I have a centre back and he he just he just can't defend, what's the purpose of him? Being a player, football player, yeah, because a centre back is supposed to defend. Okay, great. Uh, control the ball, pass mm-hmm. the ball, 
a striker supposed to uh, control the ball, pass the ball, score goals. But at the same time, is that when the opposition's got the ball and the striker goes, hey, I only score goals and running behind. Now when they have the ball and they're playing out in the back, that's not my job. Hold on a minute. Do, do you, but do you think, you know, you made some good points there, but do you think that it's um, a generational thing? Because maybe where the game has moved along so much, um, especially in terms of you know the intensity of it, the athleticism of the players nowadays, um, in that it is very much more dynamic now, at least in my opinion, than it was maybe 15, 20, 30 years ago. Do you think that's had has had any any part to play in why that is a bit of a mentality that some people are still looking at it as what the game used to be and not looking at it what it is now, if that makes sense? But the game is about def- uh, attacking and defending. So I don't see what has changed there and all of a sudden there's uh, people watch probably great players as Messi and, and, and uh, Cristiano and look at them. Yeah, they are freaks. They are just... If if you score 50 goals a season like them, maybe you can walk a little bit or not defend because you're going to win us the game. But those players are just amazing. And even even with the amazing or the, the qualities they have, I still want them to play a part because at the end of the day, it's the team. Um, if, if they see the, the best player working hardest, oh my goodness, can you imagine that? The ripple effect that happened to the rest of the players. So, for example, you had the, uh, when I arrived United, this blew me away. Your Roy Keane, the captain, work ethic was ridiculous. Giggsy, most decorated player ever in the, in the history of the club. Work ethic, a joke. David Beckham, people only see the... Um, the, the lifestyle and text of this. Come and watch the man train. Come and watch him train. No one can touch him in terms of his work ethic. No one. No one. It was ridiculous to watch this place every day in training. Scolzi. People talk about this and other. They trained the way they played. Gary Neville, super professional. Phil and all those guys. And that was relentless every day. So... If they, uh, if you, if they had the best players working the hardest, it was like ridiculous. And then you got Cristiano Ronaldo walking into the environment. He's got the mindset of wanting to be the best. What do you think is going to happen? Well, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's right, but, you know, like they say, where you know you, you're, you're the reflection of the five people you surround yourself with most, right? You know, being sorry? around your your reflection of the people that you surround yourself with the most, mm-hmm. right? And being around that, you know, you talked about earlier about the culture. The environment that was set at, at, at Man United at the time, and you've got all these great players, and if you just see them working hard, you you cannot you cannot go into that and not do that yourself. No, it's almost like even if your your natural tendency is to not want to do that, by nature they will pull you towards them. Oh yeah, and see whether you fit in or you or you don't. <laughs> or you don't. It's simple as that because if you weren't improving that environment, something was wrong with you. Yeah, something was wrong with you. All you have to do is get your head down and work hard. They, the reason you're there is because you have the ability. That's like yeah. that's how you get into the door because they see something in you. And now you watch everyone train and go, wow, that's Roy Keane flying into tackles, passing, tempo, everything. Like like a game, like a proper game. Scalzi, switching play, Beckham, after training, whipping in free kicks, get, but like every day. Mm. So when we had to play teams on a Saturday afternoon, I wasn't facing a Giggsy. I wasn't facing the level of the Beckhams. I wasn't facing the level of the Roy Keynes, the White York, and the Cole. And all the respect to the opposition, yeah. it was easier. 
And the thing because, is, you've been training at that intensity. Yeah. Almost like now you now you you know walking through. It. Let's let's talk about that for a second because that's you know it, one of the questions I really wanted to kind of figure, find out from you and you get your perspective on is is there certain things that maybe coaches and players from out you know that haven't had the experiences at the highest level maybe overlook around the intensity piece because I th- I think intensity is massive in 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 any environment you know. You talk there about being good enough. Just you know, you're you're in you're, you're in the door because you're good enough to be there. What yeah, they won't, otherwise, you, otherwise they won't. You won't be yeah, there. Exactly, exactly. So once you once you get in there, it's up to you to kind of demonstrate and you know and and back back it up basically. Do the yeah. you know, don't just, don't just talk the talk walk the walk. And for me, one of the things I say to in any in any environment is if we can just get the, as a base start the players working up at high intensity. Forget about the level of detail that goes into the, the technical stuff. Everything else around it. Just bringing the intensity up alone will give you a base level of improvement. They will have to develop just because it's at a faster pace or, you know, you're demanding more from them in that respect. So, you know, do you think there's certain things that maybe as an ex-player yourself and even working with players now yourself that gets over, 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 you know, overlooked in terms of how important that piece is? It's so important because it's not a switch. Um, some players can do it, which is a miracle. I don't know how they do it. Um, but what I've seen over, over my career, sort of basis as a coach and as a player, um, that you have to put in the work. And they say train the way you play. So I, I know you cannot probably do that every day. You have your days with your high intensity. Next day you have to recover. And I understand the sports science behind it. But when you're doing things properly in training, you don't have to change much in the game. If you're training sloppy, don't expect all of a sudden, oh, I'm not going to do this and that. And no, that's how you've been training every day. Uh, and your mindset has to be right every day. So it's, it, it, it all works together. Um, if, if a team is training sloppy, not working together, and don't have that uh, relationship, and oh no, as soon as we cross the line on Saturday afternoon, we're going to be uh, a team again and have that unity. No, it takes uh, it takes time. You, you create a good environment, and that's the, the the what makes Alex so special because he created that. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs, so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Culture of um, team, everything involves from the team. You saw the players that left over the years. If the one player became too big for the team, yeah. you were gone. He was ruthless in that. Yeah. And someone else came in and you fit into that culture. If you didn't like the culture or didn't uh, understand what was going on, you were gone. So um, uh, it's everything about the team, the way you apply yourself every day. Because that's what they expect of you on yeah. a Saturday afternoon. Yeah. So it's like, there's no rocket science. Let's, let's talk about that for a second. You, know, you mentioned that culture that was set, that, that those expectations that were set by Sir Alex. Um, in, compar- you know, in comparison to what you experienced, obviously, Atletico, you know, change of managers constantly. One of the, you know, one of the major differences is obviously the fact that Sir Alex was there throughout. He'd been there for a number of years and he'd been there throughout your time and beyond. What do you think that allowed him to do? And what were the differences in terms of... What were the key messages and how the, cult- how the culture was set? Because it's very easy just to say, well, I want you to do this, I want you to be like this, I want you to be like this. But in reality... It's not the message necessarily that it's being sent that hits home. It's more in the way in which it's delivered and reinforced, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, yeah, first of all, Alex created, with, with the time given, he was uh, able to bring in people that he thought was the best. So you got uh, Tony Wheeling, you got uh, Dave Bushel, um, uh, who else is there? Uh, the names will come to me. Um, but to, to give an example of Tony uh, Wheeling and, and Dave Bushel, probably been over 30 years and they were in terms of uh, recruitment, part of the recruitment team, uh, Les Kershaw, um, you got uh, uh, Jim Ryan who was part of the Busby Babes, so all these amazing people around you understood uh, in terms of the youth, the scouting, um, education, Unbelievable knowledge of the game. And uh, Eric Harrison, um, the class of 92, that he was their coach. And so everyone, uh, um, I can say, was in alignment with Alex's vision. So the messages or the training methods, you had Brian McClare, uh, Brian McClare went over there as well, um, Steve McLaren, uh, Mick Phelan. People understood the culture, and that was not being told you every day. You 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 experienced it every day in your training, and you saw it. You it was it was shown to you every day. You come into training, you see Roy Keane being there first. You see how he trains, how he eats. Uh, you see when they win the league, they celebrate. Boom! Yes, grateful, happy. Boom! Gone. Feet on the ground, work, next one. Mm. That, that humility. You saw uh, people to get ahead of themselves were brought back down. Um, nothing was out in the papers about Manchester United. Anything was out in the papers was about football. Yeah. Um, the respect level of, of, of uh, the place it had, um, saying good morning to people, um, the simple, basic things that... Uh, that you were taught as a kid, I would think, um, about the work ethic. You felt that every single day the work ethic was relentless. So, you know, did you, let's just, you talked there about 
everyone understanding the culture and the work ethic. The work ethic is really key, and you keep you, know, you keep reiterating about the work ethic. What are some of the lessons that people can take from that and think about how you know, and how how might you suggest they go about implementing that within their environment to really set that culture? Because you know, you said you know the way in which you speak about it, it you know, I feel as if that's had a massive impact on you and influence on you. Um, potentially how you have gone throughout the rest of your career as a player, potentially even now as a coach. So what what you know, what does that look like if I'm now listening to this thinking, you know what, this is something that's really key clearly. You know, Quinton Fortune played at Manchester United under Sir Alex Ferguson for a number of years. And the one thing that he keeps reiterating is that work ethic. How do I instill that within my environment? Well, um, get the right characters. So United became a given um, and they are the right character. So if you're, again, when I go back to the right kid, if you're best, if you're captain, one of your best players, or, or you can go through the whole team. Actually, you can get see one of the best players, most desperate player ever in the East, in the history of the Premier League. You got David Beckham, England captain, scores you, one of the greatest players ever. Um, you got Dwight York, Andy Cole, prolific up front, ridiculous. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Terry Sheringham. Then you go Big Yap at the back, Dennis Irwin, and it was just normal. To them, it was more like, a, oh, we're doing something special. So if you've got the right characters, and as a young player coming to that environment, you think this is normal. You don't think anything different. Ah, okay, yeah, I'm supposed to. And you, you won't even get a tap on the back for it. It was just what you were, was, was expected of you. I'm perfect. I love that you said that. So is it that it was so normal because it was just what was expected? Because in some environments, right, you you get um, individuals, whether coaches or players, they want to be praised for certain things, um, but they want the praise for something that they're expected to be expected to do, yeah. rather than going above and beyond. If that makes sense. Yeah. So do you think? Do you think that's why it was just it, it was almost unspoken? It was you know wasn't really acknowledged because actually this is just the expectation once you step into this environment. Because I've yeah. heard Rio Ferdinand speak about it before as well when he you know when he first came to Man United it was almost like. This is a different level. Yeah. You know, it was it, every everyone was on that level. So it yeah. was almost like it, 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 it was a it was almost like an unwritten law. You had to be there, or you just weren't going to survive. Yeah. So you know, I'm very I'm quite interested. You know, I didn't have to name any names specifically, but you, what what were some of the challenges people found around that? You know, was there any players that came in and maybe didn't really. Um, I'm sure there was. Was any players that maybe didn't adjust to that straight away, or they felt that no, this is too much, um, from your experience, and then maybe observations around how they shifted to get into line with that, yeah. and maybe those that just you know they were never gonna they were never gonna succeed in that environment. It was difficult to say. Um, it's easier for fans on the outside to look and go, oh, I that player didn't do well. But as a, when you're in it, you don't think of it in that way. You just think of your teammate, okay? Because you're so focused on what you need to do, and you just make sure you do your job. Um, and when other players don't do don't things that go well for them, you're not in a bad way to focus about that because you're trying to come in every day, do the best you can in this tough environment and good uh, competition, and then um, making sure you just do your best that you can and. Then you get to play, you're trying to help as much as possible, your teammates, but you're just so focused on um, improving yourself 
at the end of the day, that's all you can do. You cannot um, play for someone else. You can support your, your teammates as best you can because that's what that was uh, encouraged to do. Um, everything came down for the team. And, um, and that was it. You would never focus on why that one wasn't playing, why this one wasn't playing because you were just so focused on I need to do my part for the team, making sure I take care of my business. And when I do that, that's going to benefit the team. Again, it just sounds like you were quite a selfless player in that respect in terms of understanding that actually, you know what, I've got a part to play. I'm going to sacrifice. It's, it's, it's about the team and not me. But, you know, yeah. I think I think that, that's not common. You know, you, you know, it's not common. I think a lot of players go into it very kind of um, close-minded around what am I going to get out of this? Yeah. How is it going to benefit me? So, you know, I, I, I commend you on that. But, you know, just you mentioned the number of players and I guess the status of, at which they kind of held at the time. You know, you had... Ray Keane, captain of Man United, treble winning captain, Brian Giggs, who went on to become the most decorated player in the history of Premier League, um, decorated play, most decorated player in, uh, for Man United as well. Um, you know, Paul Scholes, who maybe hasn't got the same accolades, um, but is often considered by many as one of the best ever. Um, even if you look, even if you look at the top names that you know people often throw in the mix, you know, your your Javi's, your Iniesta's, your Zidane, and all of these people say actually Paul Scholes was the one that I wanted to play like. Yeah. Uh, which is which is fascinating to hear as well. And then you, know, you talk about Bex, you know, his his story was slightly different. You know, had the lifestyle, but actually, you know, that work ethic behind closed doors. What was the, you know, what were the amongst all of the names and you know the people that you kind of worked with and across? What the biggest influence for you? You know, who had the biggest influence for you? What would you know? What were the key maybe kind of lessons or messages that you kind of picked up from them? I think all of them played a, a big role because. Uh... I looked up to those players as a young player coming to the team. Um, I had the blessing as a, almost like a, a kid in a candy shop or the kid of uh, Willy Wonka got the gold ticket. Um, get to watch some of the best players in the world, how they work. And I knew about that work ethic when I started 14. And I was like, oh, this is what you guys do? Oh, great. Okay. Because I was lost, you know, what I was supposed to do. But and I was like, you guys do it, and you guys are so talented. You guys are the most talented players in, in, in Europe, and you're working the hardest. This is great. And um, to walk into the, and the lessons you learn from them is just, like I said, again, the work ethic, the unity, the humility, first of all. That's the core of Manchester United. I saw that so much everyday humility, to, you know, you got the head of yourself. Oh my goodness, you were brought down very quickly. And um, relentless, every day in training, relentless. Do things like you do in the game. That was always, the, I remember from Roy Keane that, you know, um, sometimes you would have a go at me in training, you know, I didn't understand why. And like, I remember saying, would you do it in the game? No, so don't do it in training. Get the right habits. And um, I remember once in a game, I, Passed the ball back and he said to me, Stop playing backwards. Changed my whole game. I kept playing forward, it just everything else opened up. Because I know I'm not blaming Spain, but I was just used to just get the ball, you keep the ball, boom, go back. Go forward. Manchester United is about attacking football. Uh, on the front foot, asking the question of your the player you're playing against. And um, yeah, there were so many things I learned there, it was unbelievable. It's quite interesting you mentioned, obviously, whether 
yeah, you didn't want to blame Spain, but whether Spain had an influence on the way in which you ended up playing. And it's a conversation I often have with a lot of coaches and saying that, you know what, you can go to any country in the world, you can go anywhere, and, you know, they're all going to have their own ideas and philosophies and ways in which they want it to do. But one thing that doesn't change is your purpose is to win the game by scoring goals. Yeah. So it's... When I see coaches sometimes putting on sessions or even in games, so just asking the team just to keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it for what's sake. You can't just have a session around maintaining possession. Essentially, at some point, it's maintaining possession in order to penetrate, right? Yeah. Um, and you mentioned, obviously, Roy Keane is asking you to play forward. Just break down what that means, what, what that means to you and how you perceive it, because the concept of playing forward for some people is just, right, let's just hit it long. No, no, no. What does never, that actually look like? No, you were told to play to pass the red jersey. <laughs> um, of course, if someone makes a run behind the fence and you see that you can see the pass, you play him in. But you had wonderful plays up front in terms of your Ole, your Dwight Jock, your Andy Cole, your Terry Schengen. Why not use them? You could keep the ball all day long for you up front. Scolzi, you find that in, you know, in between the lines, you give it to me in any situation, you find a solution. And I was playing backwards, I was doing the easy part. I was like, why? Mm. Once I started to, but once I started to use uh, what Kikin told me, it was more of a confidence thing. And I started, to, my ability started to show more. Because I could uh, do the easy pass, but then I saw, okay, I'm able to whip the ball into the so he wasn't asking me things I couldn't do. He knew I could do it. He was just having to remind me, couldn't he? Mm. Use your ability. Play forward. Because that's what we do at Manchester United. And as soon as I thought playing forward, oh my goodness, my game just went... Run forward. Um, asking the question of the position. I remember playing against West Ham a couple of years ago. And I had Frank Sinclair and Lampard and these guys. And I think we were still playing for them. Winning 7-0. And uh, we had a corner, and David Beckham sprint to take the corner. And if I was in Spain, it would have been tranquilo, easy, take your time, we're leaving seven at Wega. These guys were like, no, we're going to get an eight. So that was the mentality of you score five and go for six, you're six, go for seven. It was relentless. It's almost like planting a seed in the opposition's mind that you need to remember next time you come here. Respect us. <laughs> We're coming at you. Like, you plant the seed for the next 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need yeah. to know when you tap at Old Trafford, it's like, oh, shit. Last time we were here, we got seven. Let's try to keep it down to six or something. That yeah. mindset of relentless effort. You know, if they run, mm. we run. If they, uh, uh, um, in terms of tackles, yeah. we're ready for that. So it's like... It was great. It was absolutely amazing environment to, 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 to be in. So, you know, let's talk about, you mentioned this is an amazing environment. Um, yeah. Spent a number of years there. Eventually, you moved on. When, when, when was that, um, that door starting to opening out, you know, in terms of exiting Man United? And what did that look like to you? Say again, sorry? When, when, when did you start to realise that this, this, this journey is coming to an end at United? Yeah. I think with the injuries, it was tough because, yeah. uh, like I said, I've been telling him all the time, I just want to play. So I was sitting in the gym and my knees hurting and bad operation. And, okay. and all I want to do is just play football like I've been doing since a kid. And now I'm watching my teammates playing. And 
it's a great environment to be in because you've got some of the best players in the world. And when you're playing with that best player in the world, it's great because they're seeing things that you see and you're surprised. It's, it's so beautiful because the imagination there is like, it's limitless. And I want to be part of that. That, that piece there, but they see things that you, that, you, that, you know, that you might not see yourself. What were some of the key things that have really stuck with you, even till now, to the point where actually this is information you're now passing on the players that you work with that might you, you might have picked up in that moment that you know, maybe a, a small little nugget from a, from a Keen or a, uh, a Giggsy or a Skulls or whoever it may have been. If, actually, do you know what? That's actually, you, know, you mentioned there about Keen asking you to maybe look forward more often, basically. Um, were there any other little nuggets that you thought, actually, that, that's just really, to this day, that's still something I lean on? Just two things. Probably if you do a, a passing drill, do it properly. There was no, there's no magic portion here. They were just doing things. So you had the talented, most talented players, uh, characters, mindset, whatever, doing things properly. Nothing was done sloppy. Like, you can't have a training, oh, I'm going to take it easy. You were doing that, you're gone. So things were done properly. You do the passing drill, do it properly. You do a box. Yes, we have fun, the rondos. But the rondos were so done in a way that they you weren't even thinking. You started to do boom, one touch, boom, boom. People said, one touch play, you're going to do in a game. Now players do rondos and that drives me crazy because they want to knock each other. Because what you do in that rondo, in that possession game, you're going to do exactly the same. The rondo is two plays in the middle, five on the outside or six or seven on the outside. You play one touch and get, yes, you have fun, it's great. But it's getting the right habits, the touch. Don't stitch your team it up because you stitch them up there, you stitch them up in the game. What do you what do you expect is gonna happen? So give them a nice pass. Can you slow it down? Drag them in, play through. And the two in the middle, if you don't work and do things properly, you will stay in the middle. So, so we work say, together. Would you say that that's an impact on the way in which you coach your players now or you, in terms of how demanding you are of them? Yeah. Because I've seen what what it benefits you can get from it it's habits it's the same with with your food the right food if you don't put the right food in your body don't expect to go on a saturday afternoon all of a sudden uh i've been eating hamburgers and mcdonald's the whole week and pizzas you haven't been sleeping right some players can do it it's just a freak of nature yes great but normally you prepare properly of course the fun is there the fun is in the rondo Keeping the ball great, have as much fun as you want because that fun translates into a game. We're keeping the ball from the opposition, but we keep the ball, we're hurting them, we're running behind. You know, sometimes you have to have a little possession, boom, playing out in the back, and it becomes normal because that one touch play, you play around the corner, uh, yeah. someone's closing me down. The two players in the middle also do the, do the job properly because they just jog. No, if, if you're doing a job. You stay in the middle for as long as you want. Yes, I mean, what, what I'm hearing there really is enjoy it, but enjoy it while you're doing it properly. And it's, it's one of them ones, it, it makes me think about um, what Mike Tyson said one time, where he said, basically, discipline is the is the act of doing something you hate, in, but in a way, doing it, doing something you hate as if you love it. Yeah. Just, you know, immerse yourself in it. Do it, you know, essentially, it's the same message, really. You know, it's interesting, you know, about doing it properly. So, you know, you, you mentioned there, obviously, time at United came to an end really because of injuries. Um, were there any conversations around trying to keep you there? 
or was it just the case? No, I understood. I understood the nature of the the, the, the game. I understood it that the, if you're not fit and you cannot be out there, I wasn't under any um, illusion that you're you know gonna keep because getting older, younger players are coming. Um, but of course, in your mind, you want to stay. Mm. It's Manchester United. As long as if you can stay there as long as possible, you stay until they kick you out the door. Then you leave. But um, I. It came to the point where I wasn't even playing a lot in my final season because of my injury. And yeah. then um, that was hard to take, but it's, it's uh, part of life, it's part of the game. And uh, But what I was... Um, I can say that, that every day I've given my best. So I can never look around and say, you know, just that I gave everything. And um, that's what I think, I hope, my teammates saw that, so Alex saw that. That's the reason I probably stayed this so long because they they saw that that um, my work ethic and I try to um, get into their culture uh, and just work, work, enjoy, play for the team, selflessness, humility, fall in, fall into that culture. Mm-hmm. When you fall in that culture, so, yeah, Quincy, it's you, great. Left, you left in two thousand and six. Now you met, you mentioned the name earlier, Cristiano Ronaldo. Joined obviously 2003 after that, you know, that infamous game at um, Sporting Lisbon. Heard the story about how Ferguson wanted to sign him immediately. Yeah. Was it clear then, as soon as he arrived, that he was going to become who he became? Or was it almost this guy can be something, but we didn't foresee it this, to this extent, if that makes sense? Well, you saw, you saw that um, can be something because he was so talented. Um, but what made him so special and different from any other young player that you've seen before is that the mindset, the self-belief, and the work ethic. So it was a no-brainer that things were going to happen for him because the guy put in the work. It was ridiculous. It was relentless, and he had such self-belief, which was which puts him above. Maybe some players, young players, don't show it. He 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 let people know that. I'm the best. So he's like, great, you're talking about it. And then you see him going after training and doing a little extra every day and going to the gym and having that mindset of wanting to be the best. Unbelievable. And even until today, when you look at him, the way his physique is, his mindset on the pitch, that winning mentality. Um, Yes, sometimes it doesn't look pretty when he walks through the pitch and he's angry and he's frustrated. But it's just the nature of the human being. He's a winner. He wants to he wants to play every game because he believes he can score every game. Uh, he can help the team. And when you, I think it's difficult for for people to understand when you've achieved what he's achieved at Manchester United. It's hard. It's hard because it was almost like he was the king. He became the king. Then uh, it's tough because. He believes, and I know he can, every game he plays and you give him a chance to score. Mm. Might not be the Ronaldo that we saw at the beginning, you know, beating four or five players, shooting from anywhere and could is, uh, isn't, score. Isn't that, um, isn't that part of maturity in the game? No, understanding yeah. that, you know, when, when is the right time to do that, the yeah. way to do that, and being more efficient with my actions and working smarter rather than harder, if you like. I think he does that because he understands now that he just needs service. He doesn't have to go and take the ball and beat and be the provider himself, which he does sometimes. But now he's just he's just a machine. He's just ruthless. He's more 
understand his game better now. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. it's all about the end product. The hardest part of the game is to score goals, and he's sure. been doing that on the next on another level. Sure. So, quick, quick question then. Obviously, you know Ronaldo's come in at two thousand and three. Uh, Rooney came in a year later, I believe. Yeah. Was there any debates around who was better at the time internally? It was not even a debate because Ronaldo was way ahead of, of Wayne. But what Wayne brought was that which I absolutely love is he could do everything. Ronaldo probably looked more beautiful in terms of the stepovers, the cutbacks. Was it was just was it was like um the kid from Incredibles, the baby, when they realized the baby's got all the powers. That was Wazo being like, he's got all the powers. He can defend, he can attack, he can tackle. Yeah, what is this? Doesn't that work against him, though? You know, we talked about you earlier, and you know, being kind of a, you know, you know, having the ability to play multiple positions. Do you think? Do you think that actually worked against Wayne Rooney in in where he maybe no. ended up? Do you think he maybe no. think, you know if he was playing as an out and out striker the whole way through that the record that he's managed to gain would have yeah. been absolutely beat beaten past? No, then you 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 blocked his his game because his game was everything. The guy was he was just uh, his 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 his, um, his attitude, his his uh, his nature, the way he played, he could do everything. He could do everything. He was. You put him midfield, play midfield. You put him right back, good on to do the job, right back. Do it. He just had that ruthless mentality, and uh, it was great to see because again he understood the work ethic coming into the team. And then when they started to work together, knowing that you know both can do something special here, it was all over for the rest. Whoever faced them, all the best because if you want to tackle Wayne, he could tackle you back. If you want to run, he could run. If you want to uh, ask him to defend from the front, he could do that. Uh, Ronaldo, the same. So it was a joy to, to, to play with those players and, and watch them develop. It was, I wish I was, if I could one wish, I wish I was still part of that team when, when, I, when, I, when I left uh, to be part of that group because when you watch them, it's just amazing. Amazing to see those players develop. Obviously, you, you know, You've left Man United, um, ended up at Bolton. You know, you then spent a couple of different, you know, time time at a few different clubs, um, limited by injuries, of course. Um, when, did you, when did you start to realize actually, you know, my, my my playing days are coming to an end? When did you start asking questions around what was going to be next? Did you even start asking those questions, or did you wait until it was actually done before you decided that? And when did coaching come into the picture? Yeah, never ever asked that question because I've told wanted to play forever, really, that's not the truth, because that's all I've known since I was a kid. Um, coaching came naturally because I was, again, when I go back to United, uh, I asked Alex if I can keep myself fit to just train, and he said, yes, I can train with uh, Warren Joyce, and worked with him, and Warren Joyce would come and train, and join him with the, with the uh, reserve team, and that was great for me because I got to put my boots on, and I got to play football. Those group of players with Jesse and Paul Bokba and Ravel and and I just trained the way I trained all my life with work ethic. So now they got a player that played in the first team, um, training with the same mentality they had then. So they got to see, oh okay. And then even 
another amazing blessing. Skulls retired and came to train with us. So they've got two players now from used to play in the first team training exactly the same we did because I didn't know any other way of training. Um, and for those players, it was probably the most amazing experience that they could get in their, in their coaching career because we were amongst them every day for six or five, six months of training with them. And then he made the return to with the first team. So um, that was yeah, a life save for me because got to get involved with the players and I enjoy helping uh, young players, uh, encouraging them. And that's how it happened naturally. It was never someone said, okay, I need to go and coach. Coaching was just what keeps me on the field nearest, what's the nearest thing to, to playing? Coaching. And what I love doing is helping people. Uh, so coaching is in a way of me helping players, uh, giving my time to them because people gave time to me when I was a young player. So I just love doing that. So it just happened naturally. Yeah. You know, obviously you said it happened naturally. Um, it wasn't really a consideration of your prior to obviously getting into that environment itself as and being the coach. What some of the influences you think have had a, had a part to play in terms of how you now coach yourself? And was there any things that you look back on thinking actually? Pinch that from here, or pinch that from here, and that's how. Well, this this particular one had a massive influence on me now in terms of how I interact and deal with players. Yeah, I think from so many managers that I've had over the years, and trying to think about everything, but Alex was probably the best because um, he knew what to say in the right moments to players. Uh, I've had Steve McLaren's enthusiasm, Carlos Queiroz. He's um, I'm gonna say what's the word for Carlos? Everything was done to the T in terms of the preparation, like almost perfectionist in one side. And one. The attention to detail. Yeah, attention to detail. Then you got Jim Ryan, who was like amongst the players. He was a player himself. He came from Battle Page, and Jim would always speak to you. Uh, Mickey Feeling the same. Mickey Feeling just great. Prime McClare, Chucky. Um, he didn't say much, but what he, what he spoke, what, those few words he said, you just tell it before the game. Go enjoy yourself and play to Red Jersey. You know? And that's what we did. We enjoyed ourselves and played the red jersey. All the other stuff was just a given. You were expected to work hard and play for your team. Um, I had a little uh, pre-season uh, short spell with Arigo Saki at the team. Okay, I'm going. Sorry, I have to go another while I was waiting. Um, and then uh, Arigo Saki at the Madrid. Um, Watching preseason, how he was, and all, it was all about the team moving the same at the same time as one. Um, I had Christian Uton as a youth team coach at, at, at uh, Tottenham. He was unbelievable. Just how he, the way you treat people, and Terry Venables was up there. The way he made me feel as a 14 year old uh, when I arrived at Tottenham gave me so much confidence because he believed in me. And, and uh, when you get that as a young player, you know, your coach believes in you. And because when you're away from home, you only got, you know, parents. And when someone shows you that love, game changer, game changer. So, uh, yeah, we're grateful to Terry Renegades. So, yes, I got to run. No, no. The messages came in. I'm sure we can catch up another time. Definitely. Definitely. Quentin, uh, you have a great day. And obviously, um, you know, thank you again for your time today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime, brother. 
Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care.